Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Azure podcast with your hosts, Sam Foote and Alan Armstrong. If you're new here, we're a pair of Azure and Office 365 focused IT security professionals. Each episode, we talk about a specific topic in the space. This week is episode 16 of season three. We're going to have a chat around Azure Firewall, a past solution to help secure your network infrastructure. Hey, Alan, uh, how's your week been? Hey, Sam, it's not been too bad. Uh, long nights, long days. Uh, how about you? Yeah, not 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 too bad. Uh, not too bad. But why have you been having long nights and long days? If I if I can ask. <laughs> uh, well, I've been going to the or um, virtually um, joining the the Microsoft MVP Summit. Um, so, yeah, that's been interesting. Uh, lots of information coming out um, that I can't talk about. Um, but yeah, that's it's really good so far. There's so many sessions and things like that. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, and is it? Um, are you are you sort of seeing um, sort of the community of the MVPs? Right, you're getting the glimpse of like that side of things. If if that makes sense, is is there a lot of people attending the sessions? And is it across all MVPs, not just security? Yeah, so I've been joining a couple of sessions that are just around security and some of the other ones because it's been interesting. Um, I was going to talk about one then, but I can't. Um, but uh, yes, a lot of people are joining them um, from the the hybrid sessions. You, know, you can see a lot of people in the rooms, things like that. There's lots of engagement, there's lots of questions. So yeah, and yeah, it's it's definitely um, yeah, it's 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 just great from what I've seen of it so far. I've got another evening of it. Uh, not too bad tonight, but the last two have been quite um, busy. So yeah. Nice. Well, it's good that they um, they put so much energy um, into the MVP community, right? You know, um, it's it's really good to see. So, Alan, what are we um, what are we talking about this week? Azure Firewall. Yeah, so we're going to talk about Azure Azure Firewall. Um, uh, I think it's been out for a couple of years now, um, if not longer. It's been it's been so long since I first seen it, um, and yeah, we're going to talk about its capability and some mate just some um use cases things like that i think so yeah i think it's a good good one to do because it's been out for some time now um a new skew was added last month i think for it um so yeah okay cool yeah so alan's gonna um drive this one um i'm gonna ping as many questions over as i possibly can yeah so let's uh, get started so alan could you just give us sort of a high level bird's eye view of, of what Azure Firewall is? Yeah, I can try to do it high level. There's a lot of information to give high level. Um, but yeah, Azure Firewall is a um, platform as a service uh, firewall, cloud native, intelligent network firewall, um, sits on Azure. Um, there are three tiers, um, basic, standard, and premium. The basic one is the new one. Um, that came out last month, or GA'd last month, I should say. Um, and just you know, straight from the top, I think we should talk about it, is you know, the SLA side of it is, is four nines, 99.99% if you use a Verity Stones. So I think that's really good to start off with because it is like like we were talking about just before we started, you know, it is a core part of the infrastructure within Azure um, if you're using firewalls and things like that. Um, you know, if that goes down, then you have no network. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, so if we talk about standard first, um, so this is built in high availability. So when you deploy it, it automatically deploys two, two versions of it in the background. You don't see that. Um, and Microsoft managed the, you know, the high availability side of it. Um, and in effect, when you do that deployment, you can set your availability zone so you can put it over two, which then makes it 99.99. Um, if you don't do the, if they are on the same availability zone, it's 99.95. Um, I guess why wouldn't you? But I guess the only reason might be that the region that you're deploying to maybe doesn't have multiple zones. That's the only thing I could think of. Otherwise, I don't see why you wouldn't. At that not point. if it's not if it's built in and it gives you no. more resilience, right? Definitely. No, you can you can add another node to make it you know um, across three regions uh, of availability zones, but that becomes a cost at that point, I believe. 
Um, so from a scaling perspective, uh, Microsoft deals with that. So it's unrestricted. So as you consume, consume it and your more process goes through it, you, it then increases its size automatically. So you don't have to worry about choosing a, you know, a size or anything like that you can start small and increase, um, which is quite interesting around the pricing side of it, which we'll talk about. Um, got application, F, you know, fully qualified domain name, FQDN filtering rules, network traffic, you know, IP filtering rules. Um, it's able to use the the service tags within Azure to allow or block services. So you don't have to worry about grabbing IP lists and things like that if it's in Azure, which is great. Yeah, that seems um, very, yeah, very nice to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, don't have to worry about you know working out what defender endpoints all of its IPs are and things like that because that's quite a list in itself, isn't it? Um, FQDN tags as well. Um, it has built-in threat intelligence from Microsoft's um, Cyber Center, so that's being fed into it directly, um, and will uh, alert and and block on demand for that. So you've got that built in, which I think is great as well. Um, a DNS proxy, so. If um, if you need to forward DNS on to maybe on-premise or to another DNS service, maybe you've got um, domain controllers in Azure, um, you can use this to you know, traffic to be forwarded to it or it, it can act as a DNS server in effect. So this is kind of, um, instead of having a DNS zone or a DNS zone locally, you can point to this and point to something else, but also... Um, you don't have to make a trotter in the, the VNets that are connected to it. Um, and you don't potentially have to um, deploy that DNS forwarder that Microsoft brought out, in effect, a managed, um, D- as it sounds, DNS forwarder kind of thing. So you don't have to build it yourself. Um, it's all baked into here, and I think that's quite good as well. Um, it deploys with public IPs, and you can also do forced tunnels, so you can stop it from actually getting a public IP. Um, there are some scenarios for that. Um, outbound SNAT, uh, inbound DNAT, um, and mo- you know, again, multiple public IPs you can have, so you can nap it behind different IPs. Um, it's it can hook into Azure Monitor. Um, it has web categories, so this allows you to categorize um, from Microsoft, you know, from Microsoft database, you know, types of data where that, that that URL is going to and things like that, and block on that on those. Um, you can put certificates on it. I said about the SLA and the, the availability zone. So there is tons of, of like capability there. And some of it, you know, I'm not, let's just put it out there. I'm not a day in, day out Azure, or Azure firewall or firewall, you know, um, engineer or anything like that. You know, I work within the Microsoft uh, Defender side of things. So some of this stuff um, will make sense to some of our listeners, but um, a few bits of it, I, you know, I don't use that often and things like that. So, but hope that piques some interest into the standard one. I mean, there is, there's tons there. It seems like quite a lot and things. There's no, there's no direct VPN connection, but I think that's because um, you would use, you know, the, the, the VPN uh, network gateways, things like that to, to manage that and then hook it up kind of thing. Yeah. Like you say, um, lots of, kind of like firewall appliances anyway, lots of, you know, lots of various different um, solutions and features, you know, baked into firewall products, right? So that's mm-hmm. why there is a, a big long list of them. T- to me, the standout thing is the the um, the SLA over availability zones and the management of that, you know, because high availability and um, is, is a challenge, right? You know, that is a challenge. If you were going to go with a... Um, uh sort of a self-managed uh nva solution um that is something that you'd have to think about and a challenge that is a, it, it can be simple to um to, to implement but it's something else that you've got to think about um i i i, I need to just jump back to um the unrestricted ca- cloud scalability right mm-hmm. so so what you're basically saying is is that there is effectively no limit to throughput on these boxes i I think there's a high there is a high limit to it but um it's something like 100 gigabytes per second or something going through it i think let me okay so so what what they're going to do is they're going to scale the instances for you 
automatically, but your price isn't going to change. So I assume uh, it, there is a there is one part of the pricing does change, but the core side of it doesn't. The initial deployment doesn't. It's just basically you in effect you pay for the the throughput, how much you're using, kind of thing. So you pay a, a monthly for just having it, like the minimum, yeah. I guess, and then you pay per x you know throughput kind of thing and so you pay for your bandwidth through it basically that's yeah the, in effect the, the, the computer processing of it yeah so that's the the scaling that if you start right. going over a certain tier then they then they just scale it up so okay. um uh, for standard you get 30 gigabits per second right okay. auto scale and for premium i know we haven't talked about premium yet but premium you get 100 gigabits per second right so you can go up to 30 gigabits per second you know your base uh, we're talking about costs now, but effectively they'll scale up to those those values automatically. Because again, that is another not so much of an issue, you know, in the cloud, I suppose, because of you know. But then again, scaling in the cloud is potential downtime as well, isn't it? Right, and risk, and you know, so that is quite a big. Uh, he- I'll call it a headache to take away, right? Because you don't have to scale. You know, yeah. you don't have to worry about traffic spikes. You don't have to, you know, and all of those things. Because I assume uh, NVAs aren't dynamically scaled as aggressively as, say, a web server would be, you know, because of their, because of how critical they are and how important they are, right? That that would be my my, my assumption, but I don't know. Yeah, okay. Well, let's, let's talk about NVAs because um, we can come back to the other tiers as well in a minute. Okay. Um. So, you know, NVAs, network virtual appliances, um, you know, how, how does Azure Firewall difference? You know, how is it different? Um, well, the first part from my understanding of it all is that you have to, like, in effect, build your hosts. They are virtual machines within the the networking ISO, networking, you know, operating system on them. So you've got your, your Cisco's, you've got your Palo Alto's, your um, FortiGates, things like that. But yeah, you have to then decide on your your virtual machine size, your um, how many you have, where you put them, kind of thing. How, and then you've then you have to configure the high availability. You have to test the high availability. You know, I, your SLA at that point is based on virtual machines, really. At that point, yeah, and then any sort of like uh, vendor-based high availability, right? You know, like yeah, them being able to actually cluster NVAs like at the yeah software level, if if that yeah. makes and, sense, yeah. And you have to patch them. You know, there's you know the Azure firewall. There's no patching; it's updated as and when. Mm, yeah, that's a good it. point. Yeah, we didn't yeah. talk about that before, nah. did we? Yeah, patching. Well, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not. It's it's updated as and when. You know. Um, yeah, you, when you go through patching on a firewall, I sh- I've never done it myself, but I've been in a lot of environments where they've been done. You know, you patch one of them, you then put some traffic for it to make sure the new patch is working and all your firewall rules are working, and then you patch the other one because that's your backup. If you, you know, you, there's a lot of like maintenance there. Yeah, yeah, and and because it's like really core infrastructure, <laughs> not like one service has got a bit of downtime. You know, because you could be flowing all sorts through this thing right mm. like um you know when we think about you know like um high availability and you know composite slas you think about all the different services that could be flowing through these boxes yeah right well, you know you it's could not have just your front, one service yeah yeah you'd have your front end on maybe one vnet so that's all the your internet exposed side and you might have all your database on the other side of the firewall yeah and as soon as that firewall goes down yeah yeah but no... you could have you could have 20 services either side couldn't you talking yeah. through that so yeah. you're you know how critical that is to your infrastructure is 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 massive so yeah that's interesting yeah and and that's not to say that mvas are are a bad thing because you know it's it's you know it Azure firewall wasn't wasn't necessarily as it's only recently been around um functionality started to come in that maybe become sort of comparison um we're kind of, I mean, we're kind of tying into some of our other sort of topics here, but uh, kind of choosing between the two, 
it's it's it, it can be potentially quite difficult because you might have skills already in the MVA operating systems, like you know Palo Alto, you know networking engineers, firewall engineers. You know, if you've got those skills already, then potentially why would you kind of go for something new because you've got that you know that high level skill that knows how to fix it when it breaks and things like yeah, that you've you already know, got resource it. for you've got resource for that capability haven't you right yeah you know yeah yeah exactly yeah absolutely and and like like we sort of talked about you know patching um might be a thing that you want to reduce your your overhead on that depending on which way you want to go with that um azure file is technically simpler to deploy it is literally go to azure put your you know in effect arm template or you know in effect go through the gui deploy you know with mva you've got to buy the SKU, get your bring your own license you know that is gonna be a, there is gonna be a cost potential there or at least a, a good close cost comparison because you don't gotta worry about licensing things like that as well because yeah, you've, you've got, got to yeah you've got buy to pay the two vendors yeah you've got to pay microsoft for the compute and then you've got to pay the vendor for the software as well right <clears throat> Space. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you can go pay as you go in Azure for the the vendor license, but you can also get obviously get deals if you've got partnership with them yeah. to get you, you know, discounts things like that. Um, Azure Azure Firewall is also, I'm going to say, easily um, infrastructure uh, able to be managed by infrastructure as code because it is you know it's just in Azure and all you know all your firewall rules config things like that is all done in there. So, you know, yeah, the APIs are there. You know, there's Terraform. You know, Terraform is, you know, in effect, can do it straight away. Um, we kind of talked about earlier, Sam, didn't we? That technically, you could probably do some infrastructure code for the MVAs, providing the APIs or the the ports are open on the the firewall managers for the, you know, for the MVAs. Yeah, I think to do that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think for me, the real comparison here is IaaS versus PaaS. And I've got, kind of got two sort of open questions really on that is so, or points, I should say. Um, so yeah, talking about the IAC, you know, if you've got an IaaS configuration, you've then got, you know, orchestration tools like maybe Ansible and other various different uh, tool, similar tools to that. Maybe you also vendor owned um, and configuration tools. It's definitely possible to do, but configuring IaaS via infrastructure as code and then orchestrating the configuration of those IaaS machines is then another level of configuration mm. and also another level of skills that you that are required to, to do that. So compare that to PaaS where it's in Azure Resource Manager and there's already a connector for it and you know it's just available and you just configure it because you're configuring a lot less, right? Because it's PaaS. You know, you give and this is going to lead on to my next point is you're giving up a lot of your responsibility to Microsoft um, and playing devil's advocate. I, I sort of wonder if people, because it's such a critical part of their network, are they actually ready to give up that flexibility configuration and control, if that makes sense, right? Because it's such a core part of somebody's infrastructure, they've they've really got to trust the vendor that is taking yeah. that responsibility. And I'm I'm not saying there is anything wrong with Azure Firewall whatsoever, but I could just imagine people going, "So we don't have to manage anything; we just configure it." <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like magic, right? I could just yeah. like imagine that conversation. <laughs> um, and, I don't know if that's right. right or not. You you're right in that. There's you got to think about that. I mean, Microsoft would have been doing networking for years, you know, but, you know, Cisco, the, the Palo Alto's, the Fortigates have been, you know, have had a presence in networking and firewalling for years. And there is a lot of trust there around their products. Um, so, yeah, there is going to be a bit of a trust thing. You know, why move to Microsoft to, to manage all that? And, you know, from a security perspective, you know, how it actually blocks and things like that as well. Let alone you know configuration, the stability of it, and you know uptime things like that. Um, one thing that is difference between the two is obviously backup. You have to back up your configuration, and and if you're not doing infrastructure as code, you have to back up the virtual machines because they're your appliances. So you've got to, you know there's additional cost there to 
keep copies of them or whatever that might be um, as well. Pack up the config within the software because that's potentially if you're doing, you know, if you're doing Ansible or you're using their software to do it, you know, as code, then you've got your backup in effect. Um, but you might just have to go in there and you do backups into a file share or a storage account or something. This is kind of, it's kind of just in the portal. It doesn't really disappear unless someone really deletes it, but you can easily, you know, grab the arm template, can't you? The JSON file for the configuration, or like you said, if we're doing Terraform or something, we've got that stored somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it is difficult to think about which one to go for MVA versus Azure firewall. I think, like we said, it's going to be down to potentially cost trust. Um, yeah skills because i i also i sort of um um i sort of compare it kind of like deploying like web applications on azure right and it's some some people will want to completely will want to deploy to iaz or their own like you know containerized hosted systems and other people will be completely fine with just running paths and just like moving on, if, if that makes sense, right? You know, um, maybe, you know, trading some flexibility and maybe a little bit more cost. That's that's arguable though. Trading some flexibility, um, but also offloading some responsibility to somebody else, you know? So I think that's what it's a, you know, organizations that are um, happy to do that for their networking appliances, you know, uh, this is this is like a no brainer, isn't it? Right. You know, if you've if you've got that trust in your vendor, like like you've got to have that trust anyway, because if you run a an NVA, you've got to trust that well, A Azure works and also the vendor of your NVA also doesn't screw anything up if 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 that makes sense. So um so there's a, there's a lot of trust there there, there anyway. Yeah. And oh uh, yeah, of course, and if you're running applications up there, you trust the networking to the MVA as well. So Yeah, yeah, hundred exactly. percent, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The other, the other, you know, difficulty around it is, is all the potential to change, choose between the two is, is functionality. The thing, yeah. there may not be some stuff that isn't available yet in Azure Firewall. I know that when it first came out, there were some things you couldn't do, but I think they've done some updates and, you know, compare, you know, um, yeah. feature parity sort of thing now. So. And I'm sure there's there's probably like uh, intellectual property and features with inside of like those networking appliance ecosystems mm-hmm. that might keep you on there for a long, long time. You know, if yeah. you've got other like Cisco products that, if, you know, fully integrate with your, you know, networking appliances, then, you know, that that just alone might keep you on that track, might it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's 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 not. Like I said, this isn't a potentially potentially one's better than the other. It's more about your, the situation you're in, or the the environment you're in as well, where it makes sense to. You know, if you're, I mean, kind of this kind of uh, segues us into the other um, tiers. But like, if you're a small medium you know, SMB, small medium business, um, and you need to really put a file in there, you know, the basic one kind of is you know, priced at sort of that tier, you know, small, small business trying to secure their, their Azure network with a firewall, but they don't want to pay for two, you know, two MVA appliances in effect. And, you know, and all the complication around having the skills to be able to manage that as well in a small business. So sort of segue in into the, the basic tier. In effect, you get all the functionality for, from the standard tier, which I think's pretty amazing. Um, just that there's, there's a few limitations. So uh, one of them is that the threat intelligence is alerting only, so it won't automatically block and things like that. So it will tell you that stuff's going out to a command and control or and things like that. So I think that's that's fair enough. If you're getting a you know a cheaper price for it, you're getting the intel. You get being told about it, but just not paying for the automation or the auto blocking. Um, the other part is around the scaling. So you you have, in effect, a fixed scale unit sort of tier. So I think it's probably like the minimum like spec that they're, they're build in effect, and it won't auto-scale up, um, which kind of then 
and you get it's in effect two two hosts at that point. Um, and in effect, Microsoft recommending around that tiering is that you'll pretty much get uh, 250 megabits per second through it, and that's kind of your limit. So it is, it is designed for like you know not necessarily huge amounts of throughput for it, small business. So and it's been priced, you know, the price point has been lowered to sort of you know those restrictions i guess are put in place just so everyone doesn't just go for the basic yeah yeah well i think that's um for for people that don't require that sort of like you know continuous scaling up to 30 gigabit um and maybe they don't particularly need like you know the automation you know there's a cost saving to be had if you're not at that that stage yet yeah so so then if we talk about the premium tier, so again, this has everything in standard, um, but has the additional stuff of TLS inspection. So it's SSL offload. So inspecting the actual data going through. Um, it also has the uh, network intrusion detection and prevention system, IDPS. So it's actually doing you know actual checks against what's happening in your network and preventing it. Um, URL filtering uh, and web categories, but I've called it um, advanced web categories. And the reason why I've done that is that in standard, it does it on the domain. So this could be, uh, I use the example uh, bbc.co.uk, right? Um, that would be class, you know, categorized as news as an example. Um, what the advanced side of stuff of it is doing it by the actual, the full URL. So the paths. So if it was like BBC UK forward slash sports, then uh, technically it potentially could classify it as a, as sports news. Maybe, I mean, I don't know. I've not seen the categorization, probably not that granular for, for news, but maybe it's like LinkedIn.com, maybe forward slash news or whatever there might be. There might be, you know, a different category in on that domain. So instead of it being categorized as, the worst thing it can be you can actually you know allow users to that site but maybe for parts of it that makes you sense. might not want people to be able to hit like the live section of linkedin or something like that but you know maybe just consume the rest of it i don't know it's pretty like basic thing but you might want to understand different areas of a website i assume yeah so basically it just gets categorized by the different parts of a website rather than the, the whole website yeah. so um and Kind of the last part is that it's PCI DSS compliant. So if you're running payments processes, it's comp the firewall compliant. So you don't have to worry about making sure it is. It's just it's been you know, it's been classified as that. So. so that so that premium is then taking because I feel like those premium features are like non-core networking features of other like firewall applications, right? You know, like things like intrusion protection and um, URL filtering, um, you know, and, and that that type of things. They're sort of like, you know, uh, applications that you would layer on top of a firewall, if that makes sense, right? So it might be that in a, you know, um, if you're looking at an MVA, some of those extra, these extra premium features would be premium features on the NVA side as well, right? So that could yeah. also, if you need that functionality, it could bump up your license on the NVA side, I, I assume. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, exactly that. So, oh, that's so what all, I believe anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, all tiers, you get like core firewall networking functionality. And then, well, basic obviously just limits you in terms of throughput and threat intelligence, but then premium layers on extra functionality that you might want to bring in um, as well. Yeah. And they're all, like I said, they're always bringing new features in to standard and premium. And like I said, basic only um, became GA last month, I think, because um, people were, you know, complaining potentially that you know nobody, no small businesses could potentially afford the the standard. But bearing in mind, I don't think you know any small business potentially could uh, afford an NVA. So it's it's unfair to say standard is potentially expensive, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think a um, a best practice high availability nva right you know when mm. we're talking about we'll call it doing things properly so to speak right and then in, in um smb um 
that might not always be the case, right? Because <laughs> budgets might dictate sort of everything anyway. Um, but, you know, just having that option to have... Like, I, 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 I don't really get how they can do four nines of uptime on basic, to be totally honest with you. But, you know, that's great that that SLA is there. Um, that's I think that's probably the most powerful thing about basic is that you don't have to worry about that side of things, right? No, and, and this is the thing about when you look at the pricing, you you kind of go, okay, I've got to run it for 20, you know, 700, I think 730 hours, isn't it, that it's based on for a month? And yeah, you're like, work a month, yeah. times it by 12 and et cetera, and you're like, oh, that costs quite a bit. And you're thinking, hang on, there's two of them. So if I half that, because <clears throat> that's the question about when you're looking at pricing for MVAs, you go, right, okay, I need a host, I need the licensing. You go, okay, and then you compare it to Azure. And then you might think, oh, actually, in Azure, I need two of them. I need to buy, you know, build two of them. So it's like double the price. So it's like, yeah. it sounds, seems really expensive compared to MVA. But then actually you, you think about it and go, oh, hang on, it's it's deploying two by default. So I'm going to worry about that. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so um, so we talk, sort of talked about, sorry, is there anything else on the SKUs, Alan, that you want to go over and talk about? No, no, I think that's, that's I think there's loads of documentation about what they do and, and things like that. Yeah. Okay, um, so so we we've sort of compared it against uh, what well, not compared it against, but just talked generally against you know MVAs versus a more PaaS solution with Azure Firewall. Um, so how I suppose from my security perspective, uh, I'm thinking of logging, um, and what I know about getting firewall logs into Seam products. Um, how how easy is that um, configuration, say, into Sentinel? So so for MVAs and and physical firewalls, you tend to either have um, either their own sort of log collector, which then forwards onto a syslog or common event forwarder, Ceph sort of server. Um, and then that get, then gets collected by a seam. So with Sentinel, that would go up to, you know, using a syslog and cf server that's been hooked up to sentinel um for azure for azure firewall uh, it's just diagnostic settings <laughs> you point to a log analytics which is the sentinel so it's it's relatively trivial um if you're not using sentinel as a seam then you put it to an event hub and then get it collected that way right um and within there, there is um, Azure Firewall application rules and the Azure Firewall network rules. So you'll you'll see the the you know the um, blocks and allows kind of thing. And because it's not um, because it's like inside of Microsoft's, I'll call it network, right? I assume there's no um, configuration of the data flowing, the logs flowing from. Azure Firewall into those workspaces, like you might have with an MVA, like actually getting it into log analytics is also the challenge, right? To collect it. Yeah, no, I think it would just run through the the Microsoft backend exactly, at that point because you're already the, on the, to the service. Yeah, you're right on the right side of the wall, aren't you? At that point, yeah. right? You're not. So there's there's also that to to think about as well, you know, because if you are Sentinel connected, um, I suppose once those systems are set up. But then you're saying that in a traditional sense, you might collect those logs and then forward them on. So that would that be something uh, like another box that you would have? Or would that be like... Would from it... from a, a standard MVA, not standard, but you know, an MVA or a physical firewall, then yeah, you'd have a syslog or syslog servers, depending on load, things like that. Then uploading into, into Sentinel, into log analytics. It, it would would it be fair to say that it would be highly likely that a customer would already have a syslog servers that they could then just use so they wouldn't have to or if you go nva you would also have to bring up extra infrastructure your side as well you you'd have to bring up a log i believe you'd have to bring up a, a syslog server close to it because you wouldn't want if you had like on premise firewalls with um you know a syslog server already there Depending on where your seam is, of course, because if your seam's on premise, then you'd send it down to that one. At that point, got it. Um, okay. 
it's think yeah not necessarily cloud native um but you got to think about then you're paying for egress out of azure down to your on premise yeah, to store the yeah. logs where okay. and yeah and yeah you would have to for an mva for sentinel you'd have to you wouldn't you probably wouldn't have a syslog server up up there not unless you have other appliances to feed into it up there like if you had a cisco ise or other stuff that you want to hook into sentinel but you just said that you wouldn't have it up there does that mean that you would have to create one yeah, you'd have point? to have a host you'd yeah. have to build a virtual machine right, okay so you've essentially got an extra cost there yeah as a syslog server alongside mva to add into the mix as well yeah is that right and yeah yeah and okay. the the ingestion of a sure firewall and you know the mva firewall logs is chargeable still there's no like it's not free or anything like that they are still a charge there so it's that's no different it's just the like you said it's the mechanism to get it there because it's first party it it goes yeah it's on the right side of the fence yeah wall whatever you want to call it (laughs) yeah okay yeah no we don't talk about perimeter walls anymore do we right the network perimeter is not anyway so yeah we won't talk about walls okay um okay cool so i suppose you know we've from a feature and product perspective i think we've we're pretty much there's there's lots to digest there's you could yeah you could talk about it forever um but how much does it cost as i suppose is the the ultimate question because that's what a lot of this stuff comes down to uh lots of money no um so like i said it's based on the three tiers and then it's split into deployment and then data processing, which is what we were talking about. So depending on how much you process through the firewall. So that's how they can like it pay for the auto scaling side of things. So for basic, it's in effect 32p per hour to for the deployment part. And then for data processing, it's um 5.3p per gigabit per gigabyte processed um so yeah it's not it's it's definitely cheaper than the standard premium we'll talk about in a minute so 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 yeah so just doing some rough calculator maths because unfortunately (laughs) this pricing page doesn't do monthly unfortunately um microsoft um so if so if we run basic if we deploy basic we're looking at 233 um british pounds uh per month uh that equates to uh 0.395 times 730 oh right (laughs) 233 pound a month right okay and then we're looking at what was it 5.3 pence yeah per gig so let's say if we do a a terabyte no let's let's because this is basic right you're you're capped to 250 megabits per second aren't you yeah. So to bear in mind that first price, that's including two hosts. Yes. So yeah. It's yeah, it's like hundred and twenty, what was it? You said two fifty. Two thirty two hundred and thirty three pounds sixty, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. hundred and thirteen pounds per yeah. firewall. It's not bad, I don't think. Uh <laughs> the infrastructure and the software. Yes. Because because you're also gonna have to pay for data egress. Through it, yes. Um, on an MVA in Azure as well, right? So this data mm-hmm. processing cost, I mean, the five pence per gigabyte sounds quite expensive. So a hundred, yeah, okay. Well, a hundred gig would be five pound, wouldn't it? Five pound, and then, so it's 50 pound per terabyte-ish. Yeah. I don't think that's crazy. I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, without okay. knowing. 50 pound a terabyte. That doesn't, I don't know. It. I, I don't know. I suppose it really depends on your use case, doesn't it? Yeah. Right. If you've got light usage, if you need, um, you, you know, might need it for compliance, that you need to have that, that type of firewall exactly. or a firewall on there. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. Okay. So standard. So this is one pound and 1.6p to per hour to deploy it. And that's because it's got everything and it can do up that to that um was it 10, 10 gig? Let me just 30 gigabits per second. 30 gigabits, yeah, 30 yeah. Gig, gigabits per second. Scaling. Okay. Yeah. Plus all those features that are all you know, fully fledged and everything. Um and then it's 
1.3p per gigabyte because I'm guessing you're paying more for the, the you've got a higher tier kind of thing. Okay, because because I suppose this. So just let me run this by you. You you pay for your deployment. So if I go standard, I'm paying one pound. Let's call it one pound per hour to make it easy. Yep. I'm paying one pound per hour. If I go to 30 gigabits per second, my deployment cost is still one pounds per hour, isn't it? As right? far as I'm aware, yes. And then it's the processing that increases because you're processing yes. the data. Because that is directly the amount of data that you process is the throughput at 30 gigabits, right? Correct, yeah. Because yeah, if you're doing 30 gigabits per second, you are pushing a hell of a lot of data through that box, aren't mm-hmm. you? Right? Um, boxes, I should say. Right, so we were we were 50 pounds per terabyte. Is that right? Yeah, 50 pounds per yeah. terabyte on the basic, and this is a fifth of the cost, so we're looking at about 10 pounds. pounds. Yeah, 13 pound-ish per terabyte. Yeah. But right, you're paying... Okay. You're paying three times more for the the build itself as well. But to get the, the automation yeah. on the threat intelligence. Yeah, and the, the throughput, throughput and, and the auto scaling. And the auto scaling. Yeah. Okay. So what but mm. but 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 you could have a high throughput scenario where the the fifty pounds per terabyte doesn't make economical sense but then again you're only limited to 250 megabits per second so correct you, yeah so like you this this it. helps with those spikes maybe you've got a service that maybe you know at christmas there's a mass order of turkeys or something and you have to ha- yeah i think it's going through this firewall you need it to like auto scale to 30 gigabytes per second so people can order their, their turkeys for christmas <laughs> but the rest of the year it's not too bad you know you'll just pay you're just paying for when you need it kind of thing you just got that base cost what's um what's the the monthly for the standard if you do it if you work it out well it's about it's about 700 because a pound an hour basically so it's about 730 pounds a, okay. a month it's about 365 pound per host if there's two of them y- yeah if you if you if you were to deploy two NVAs. Yeah. So you're looking at if you were to compare it just on a cost perspective, I don't know what the egress costs. I don't I don't I don't know about let's just talk about base costs, let's talk about bandwidth, I suppose, because that mm. does get a little bit more complicated on the NVA side. But you would be looking at about like yeah, three hundred and sixty five-ish pounds per month uh you would have to for that and you would have to have your software license and your infrastructure Mm. plus i think you would need to think about asr and i think you need to think about capacity reservations as well if it's that critical because if you do have that type of like downtime then you've also got to think about potential networking across regions as well at that point so there's quite a lot to think about there about making that truly resilient if yeah i mean not unless you're just happy with you know live live failover wow the i guess the you've the the different region side of things you've got to consider that you'd have to just deploy as your firewall in the other one anyway wouldn't you but I guess how long does it take to spin it up and deploy your config? I expect it could be up quite quick. <laughs> yeah, but on the but on the other side, it's it's Microsoft's responsibility, isn't it, to maintain those four nines? Yeah, from that region. But if that region goes out, you know, if there really is a region outage, yeah, you're not yeah. covered, are you? Either for either side, so you may have to. No, you, so okay. So if we're going to go to that level, then we might have to think about two of these as well. Okay, yeah. But you'd have. But then, if you think about it from MVA perspective, you might have two appliances in one region and then two appliances in the other. So you got to buy four hosts. Yeah, but you could like ASR the second region, couldn't you? Just for failover, and have it off yeah. but with reservation to go. Yeah, but that's the that's the question about the your file, isn't it? That if you had an outage. How quick would it be to spin it up? Because you've got all the config and everything to deploy. 
Yeah, as long as the portal works, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Or the okay. APIs, yeah. yeah. Or the APIs, yeah. Yeah, fair point. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay. So, what is it about £730 a month for the standard plus uh, £13 per terabyte of processing? Um, premium is £1.42 per hour, and the processing is the same. So you're just paying for those. You're paying 42, 41p on top of standard to get those extra features, those premium features. Yeah, so you're you're paying just over a thousand pounds per month um, for it, um, and the difference between standard and premium is three hundred and ten pounds a month. Yeah, so you're paying that's three hundred pound a month, um, and I suppose it's probably worth. So you're going to get those those ex, those extra features and functionality, but I suppose it's probably worth also just calling out that is is there any reservations or discount possible here? Like you can with infrastructure IaaS? No, because I think it's because it's PaaS. It's kind of it's not Matt. It's not something you can you kind of do that way, is it? No, exactly. Yeah. So okay. um, yeah. yeah, and I think when think about these pricing, I mean we don't really deal with this day in day out, but I think I've seen some pricing you know around like you know, on from, from a you know from appliances on premise that you know a couple of appliances could cost you 60 80 100 grand if not more to have that you, you sweat for three years or five years whatever that might be plus a maintenance fee on top which might be two three grand a month a year yeah so if well. you're coming from like a an actual proper on-prem solution I suppose even MVA and you know pads as your firewall is going to be an order of magnitude potentially less money. Yeah, because you haven't got to buy the hardware up front and things like that. You yeah. can just chop and change it when you need. Yeah, and because like premium has so much capacity, I suppose you might think about reorganizing like how many firewalls you have and your topologies, right? Because you can push more through it if that makes sense. Or you might split them up, right? You might say, oh, we could do two standards instead of a premium, you know, because we don't need that sort of that capacity. Okay. Yeah. Depending if you need to create your network, you might be that your egress one, the ones that's connected to the, you know, all the traffic out to the internet might be premium. And then all the ones internally might be standard if that makes sense to do. I don't think it would, but. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and probably talking about that is actually going from standard premium. You can do that change. Um, on the firewalls themselves, you don't have to like rebuild them or anything. You may have you... to. I can't remember if you can do it in line. They will have to probably shut down and power up again. Right. Uh, can you go both ways? I believe you can. I don't know if you can go down to basic. I think that's a bit. I think you probably won't be able to. I think it'll be between standard and premium. You can change. And if I went basic to standard, do you know that? You... I don't. Don't know off the top of my head. Okay. Um, but one other thing just to talk about is that there is a firewall, Azure Firewall Manager. And the idea of that is that if you had multiple firewalls, you're able to manage them in one place. So you configure them all you know, in one place. You can see all the firewall rules, things like that. Right. So it could be, a, you might have firewalls in multiple regions, things like that. So instead of you having to go to each one, you go to one place kind of thing. Okay. And is that in Azure? Is that like a section in Azure portal to do that? Yeah, there's a firewall manager. I think it's, I've seen it in Defender the Cloud. Okay. Um, but there is a cost to it. Okay. So it's it's per policy that you deploy. Because I'm guessing you can have a regional, like in effect, a policy across the region kind of thing. It's £81.24 per policy per region. Per month. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well. Okay. But so, I assume a policy could have like multiple rules in it and things like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is that like a set of like a set of config that goes down? Yeah. It might be that you've got, you know, the example might be you might have dev test live. Right. Yeah. They've okay. all pretty much got the same config you want to deploy. Yeah. You use one policy rather than could, have to manually do it three times. Could but, you use Terraform instead of that? Potentially. Yeah. I, I was yeah, just thinking yeah. that. Or maybe yeah. you only change it once in the 
firewall manager and then it deploys it. But yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, potentially you just do it via Terraform and thing. Maybe this is just the if you don't know, to, you don't have infrastructure oh, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. capability. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's it's good that there's a solution that you can just pay for, right? You don't need, you know, like you say, a Terraform SME to come in and help you with that, do you? So, yeah, exactly. So, okay. Um, anything else that you want to go over on? Uh, no, I think we've we've covered quite a lot. There's obviously loads to dive into. Like I said, when you go onto the Microsoft um, documentation, it talks about all the different functionality and what they do and things like that and explains them a bit more. So you can definitely dive into it and sort of start looking at um, seeing whether it, it fits, putting it up there, if it's got the capability you require and things like that. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Thanks very much, Alan, for that. That was a really good overview. Well, as much as an overview as you can do <laughs> of, of um, like quite a large product in uh, a short period of time. So thank you ever so much for that. Um, so next episode, um, I'll be sort of uh, leading on. Um, I'm going to be talking about um, load testing in Azure. Um, so yeah, load testing your your, your applications, uh, mainly focused on web applications um, in Azure. But um, I'll take you through the products and solutions that Microsoft has got to offer on that. Um, so if you've enjoyed this episode, please do consider subscribing if you'd like to listen to more sort of a uh, sort of this content in the future. Uh, we have many topics that we'd like to cover, and your listens and support is what will continue to fuel the podcast going forward. We also have the ability for you to give some feedback. Did you enjoy this episode? Disagree with our thoughts, or have we missed something that uh, you think is is valuable? We need to shout out about. Um, there's a link in the the show notes um, to our site. We there's a contact form where you can send us a message, or in the bottom right corner, uh, you have to leave us a voice message. Um, so yeah, we'd love to hear from you um, to send us some feedback. Perfect. Cheers. Thanks very much, Alan, for your time, and thanks to everyone for listening. Catch you in the next one. Yes, thanks for listening, everyone, and speak to you next week. Bye.